everyone. This is Dave DeBow with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, it is my pleasure to be interviewing Tom Zeeb, who is a very accomplished real estate entrepreneur, author, trainer. And Tom's been in the business for quite some time. In fact, he got started way back in 2001 after a personal scary epiphany, which I I definitely want to hear about. So it was a near life, near death experience that kind of shook him up, got him rethinking about what he wanted to do with his life and got him started on the path of real estate. So Tom, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, let's start with first things first. What happened way back in 2001? Because that was a that was a scary time in your neck of the woods because you're in the eastern states near near Washington and things were going crazy in 2001, but that wasn't it. It was something else. Yeah, that was part of it. Certainly, me and me made you realize things are more fragile than you think, a lot different than you think. And then um, I had an event that kind of made me realize I had been treating life like a dress rehearsal rather than taking it really seriously. I really get down to what I wanted to be doing. And I, that spooked me bad. And what, what happened was I, I was frustrated in a job and I was frustrated by you know, the nine to five and the lack of any vacation time and the lack of any real lifestyle, just had to go to an office every day. And I saved up my whopping two weeks of vacation and went on a adventure trip with a bunch of buddies to India. Wow. Yeah. It was fantastic, Dave. But when I went whitewater rafting, I flew off the raft in a class five rapid and couldn't stay on the raft and went underwater and was in a kind of near drowning situation. I mean, it took a long time, or I mean, probably only a few minutes, but by the time, you know, by the time you, you come up to the surface, it felt like forever. And I went through a whole, a whole spat of, of different feelings and emotions. Like, wow, is this it? This is all life's been dressers. I'm not happy with where I'm at. I'm stuck in the job. I mean, I constantly felt like I was drowning and that made me want to change and get out. The problem was I, I didn't know how. And then you literally were drowning. Yes, it was a literal drowning. <laughs> so that, yeah, that's definitely a scary near-death experience, kind of what some people would call an epiphany or, or almost, if you're spiritual, a religious experience because it really woke you up. So, okay, so you're an employee, you're hanging out with the buddies, <laughs> getting scared spitless yeah. in, in India, you come back home. How did that transition to taking action and actually getting into real estate? Well, I got back without any answers. And so I, I was basically left with that frustration, that sense of drowning. And I, when I came home, I realized I was, I was still drowning, but it went from physically actually drowning to metaphorically drowning. I was, I was loaded with debt. I mean, all I, I mean, the whole trip was financed on, on credit card. I realized my entire life was financed on credit cards. And you know, I had student debt, and I had apartment debt, and car debt, and shopping debt, and I didn't really own anything that I touched because everything was everything went on the Visa, Mastercard, American Express, and yeah, uh, you're working for your job and you're working for the credit card companies. Pretty much, yeah, 113 grand in the hole. How do you dig out of that? Yeah, I tough. mean, you know, you're as not, an employee, it's almost impossible. Yeah, it's impossible. No one's yeah. going to give you a 113 thousand dollar raise. Right. And when I realized that, I was kind of I had that distinct sense of drowning again. So it was, it was trying to figure out how do I get out of this legitimately, you know, legally, no gun, no white powder. How do you, how do you get yeah, yourself yeah. out of that much debt? And a friend of mine handed me a copy of Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You know, it's amazing <laughs> how many people I interview on this podcast yeah. that that was the book that changed everything for them. I mean, I'd say the majority of people that I know 
yes. who are active and successful in real estate these days, that was at least a big part of their start. It's amazing. Yeah. Isn't it? Oh, it's a, it's phenomenal when you think about what he's done with one simple story. Now, here's the thing, Dave. I, I was hit by a ton of bricks by it, just like so many other people, just like almost everybody I meet that's an entrepreneur. But here's the thing. There's no rubber meets the road how-to knowledge. No, no, nothing. <laughs> it's a great story, but all it says is go out and buy rental real estate. So I had given the book to my sister. She also you know, was in the same situation, a horrible amounts of debt. She felt like she was drowning, and then she read the book and the same thing. And so the two of us ran out and bought a six-unit building in New York City. Wow. Okay. That's a pretty big first step. That's for sure. Yeah. That's a pretty, pretty dumb first step. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So why, why was it dumb? Because a lot of people say, Hey, good. Great for you. You jumped into multifamilies right off the bat. Oh, so yeah. Jump into multifamilies right off the bat, which actually take money to maintain. It's not always cash flow nonstop from the beginning. This certainly wasn't. We wanted with six units with six very professional tenants that knew exactly how to manipulate the system and manipulate everything. It was wow. nothing about it was good. And we were losing money now even faster because we were losing money on this property because nothing worked out. We didn't know what we were doing. Right. And, right, right. You know, and when you jump into something that big, it's, it's even more dangerous because you can sink that much faster. So Yeah, you, the leverage goes the other way on you real fast. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. There was that sense of drowning yet again. <laughs> time, time to get some water wigs, I think, buddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so you start out with the sex plex. Yeah. Then, because I, I believe nowadays your your main focus is on doing buy, reno, and and sell, so flips basically. If I'm not mistaken, mostly wholesale flips. Oh, wholesale. So flips. I don't even get down to to buying it. I oh. I, I focus on because this is what got me out of trouble, and I've stayed with it because I guess I've learned my lessons. I don't really like drowning. I focus on marketing to find great deals. I focus on negotiating to to turn those lukewarm leads into red hot deals, and then I pop them under contract. And instead of doing any of the buy and hold or, or the buy and rehab and resell, I sell my contract. I sell my position in the contract to somebody else interested in doing the rest of it. Right. The end real estate entrepreneur who actually wants to rehab it yeah. and do all that work and hopefully make a profit at the end. Yeah. That's at least 80% of people out there. So those are all my buyers now. And it's fantastic. Nice. So you've set up a system. You've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. Do you focus primarily on the market that you live in or do you do this all over the place? I've done it in quite a few different markets. I, I live in Washington, D.C. There's effectively three states, quote unquote, here. And there's also, uh, which is effectively three different markets and a lot of submarkets within there. I've done some up in the Jersey and New York City area where my sister is based and still, you know, she didn't get totally scared off by, uh, by our disaster either. And then I've got students everywhere doing it in you know, different, different parts, all kind of coast to coast. So. It's fun that way. And it's it's just nice to watch technique that can work fast and doesn't have the downside. I don't have the downside risk. And for me personally, I like that. Now, Tom, for folks that aren't all that familiar with real estate and they think, you know, every real estate deal, you got to go through a realtor and find it on the MLS is, you know, I know the answer, <laughs> but can you tell us, is that the way you go about doing this? How do you <laughs> No, that's that's some deals. I mean, there's some on the MLS and you find them in some ways, particularly if they're sitting around and not going anywhere. But no, 90% of them are not coming off of the MLS. You've got to get a marketing machine moving and marketing to people that are not that don't currently have their property listed. There's something wrong in their life. That's why they're motivated to sell. And solving that problem in their life is more important to them than anything else about the house 
including the price. So what would you say to people, whether they're into wholesaling, flipping, or whatever it is, what would you say to them about the importance of generating your own deal flow versus relying on realtors? Yeah, I think that is the key. It's got to be a key skill up front because if you don't, one, you want to be independent of kind of any one particular method or one particular system. So you want to have a few different lines in the water. Let's think fishing. You know, if you only had one person's rod and one person's line and one person's hook, mm -hmm. you're only going to catch one fish at a time. And if, some, if that person takes that, that line away from you, you've got nothing. So right. you got the wrong bait, right? That yeah, you could have, yeah, there's a whole, yeah, there's yeah. the bait, there's the hook, there's the line, there's the quality of the whole thing. So, yeah. but at the end of the day, if you don't own any of that, you're totally relying on the person who's lent it to you or is giving it to you or supplying it. So I want you to be able to have six different lines in the water and many of them under your complete control. Yeah. That also means I'm, I'm cautious here, Dave. It's, you got to be jealous, Bob. Just I'll, I'll just say it. I'll say it. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to be polite, but you, know, you can also get really worn down by an agent who doesn't believe in the investor way of doing things. And that's probably- Which 90, is the majority of them, right? The majority of them, yeah. 90% yeah, yeah. of them don't get it. And so if that's all you're relying upon, and then if you go talk to three, four, five of these people at first, and they're telling you, you're out of your mind, that's crazy, that can't be done, that's late night TV garbage, then you're going to assume, well, hey, they have a license from, you know, they have a license from the government. To they're do a this. professional. You must be yeah. right. Yeah, they're, they're the pro. You're, you know, doing something you read in a book or saw on late night TV. Or, and so that it, it can take you out of the game quickly. So there, I think there's a risk and a danger. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of late night TV, when I first got into real estate investing, a little bit after you, Tom, but it was 2003. Yeah. Gotcha. That's when the infomercials were still going pretty strong, right? <laughs> <laughs> I remember hearing about this guy named Ron Legrand. He yeah. sent off for his, his system on how to get into real estate with little or no money because that's exactly what I had. And so anyhow, where, what I'm getting to here is he had some great ideas and strategies about generating these motivated seller leads, which you know I put into play. But that's you know almost decades ago that's a long time ago so we were doing stuff like tear tab signs and tent card business cards and vehicle signage and yep. bandit signs and you know classified ads with circles around them and then it was <laughs> <laughs> all that kind of stuff which yeah. i'm sure tickles your memory bank so that worked pretty well back in the day but time changes and things are always evolving i understand every market's a little bit different but without giving away all your secrets what do you find works best for you and your students these days for generating these motivated seller leads? Yeah, I love anything. It's a great question. I love anything that puts me directly in front of somebody that has a problem. Mm -hmm. And I find that the public records at a courthouse have a ton of different people with different kinds of problems. So if I go research them at the courthouse, which is, you know, you have the you have the right to look this information up. It becomes public knowledge once they open a probate case or if they own a property out of town or if they've been to landlord tenant court trying to kick a tenant out for non-payment. Well, I can find that information, collect that information, and then I send letters and postcards to people and thinking about what is their problem, what, what are their hot buttons, and then I want to press those buttons in the messages that I send them over, you know, classic mail through a letter yeah. or through a postcard. That's really interesting, Tom. So. That's old school. Like that's, that's, you know, that is very old school. And I think, so it sounds to me like you've got a very 
laser focused right what we'd call a rifle approach versus a shotgun approach which for example classified old days yeah. classified ads and just sending out postcards to entire neighborhoods and all that kind of stuff is is shotgun but you are finding people that have a problem and then you're sending them mail offering them a potential solution to their problems am i yep. getting just I like, absolutely i like to focus in kind of pinpoint that you know that rifle pro the laser and pick them up. I know they have an issue, so let me speak to that issue. And then, you know, they're already going to be sensitive about it because it's an issue, it's a problem. And when, when I can speak to that and get them to raise their hand and say, yeah, that's me, we need to talk, and they pick up the phone and call. Very cool. So I imagine you've got a lot less competition doing it that way, too. Uh, that's the crazy thing. It is a lot less competition because most people don't focus in and do it. They don't, and they, they certainly don't do it consistently. So it's just, you know, the number of people, the number of times we get a call where someone says, oh, I've seen your name before versus all these other things I get in the mail sometimes, but I never see the same names twice. Yeah. Very, very important point. That points to your longevity in this. Huge lesson. In it. Oh yeah. Huge, huge lesson. So Tom, you're in a very dense populated area of the country, right? You're on the Eastern seaboard. I don't know how many gazillions of people live within a <laughs> distance of where you live, but it's a lot. Yeah. So, you know, off the top of my head, I'm saying, okay, well, Tom, that kind of makes sense because you go into the courts around your area. There's just bound to be tons of people going through crap in their lives. What about somebody who's in rural, small town Idaho? And I'm sure you've got students across the country. How well does this work in smaller centers? Sure. Let's think about it, Dave. If someone lives in a smaller, more rural town, smaller center, not as many people, are people still dying? Typically, yes. Yeah. Are people still getting older and can't handle their house anymore? All the time. Are people having, are starting to have kids and suddenly have a bigger house and more house demands than they used to have? Definitely. Yeah. And people get into foreclosure and do people have rentals where their tenants stop paying the rent or mess the place up or the place burns down or you know, I can go on and on, right? Life divorces, is, yeah. Yeah, divorces nonstop, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when these things happen. I always have a business, no matter what the size of the market, whether you're in a megalopolis or you're in a small town, because we deal with human beings and human beings always have problems and they'll get problems that they can solve by selling their house. Because most people, you know, except if you're at the very top of the market, yeah, but those people have the networks or the family wealth or something, then they're fine. And at the very bottom is a war zone. But everything in between, that giant middle of the market is absolutely perfect for what we do. And then that giant middle of the market is giant for a good reason. It's yeah, it's the middle. Well, that's awesome, Tom. Very, very cool. So I imagine that you've got a whole process, a whole system. You're not just sending them one letter, you're sending them multiple letters over time and, and all that kind of good stuff. You probably got a variety of different you talk, you talked about having six different lines in the water yep. instead of just one so i imagine you got all sorts of different things there if people are interested in finding out more about you and what you do because i know you offer training about this we talked a little bit before we plus record here about whether you've worked much with canadians because a good chunk of our audience is canadian yep but just listening to what you say i know for a fact because i've done it <laughs> that that stuff is possible here in Canada. The same thing with the, well, we don't have as much transparency. There's this privacy thing up here that's a real pain in the butt from a real estate investor side of things. But a lot of that information is public knowledge. 
that you can dig around and find. That's for sure. So and you can always flat out advertise for it. Exactly. Well, no, and I'm I'm saying that what you're doing can be done up here as well because I've I've done that kind of stuff. Not anywhere to the degree you have, but I know it's possible. So if people want to find out more about Tom's Eve and what you're up to, what should they do? Yeah, I would go to one of my websites. I have a website that's focused on video trainings and a website that's focused on audio training. So you can go to tomzeeb.com. It's T-O-M-Z-E-E-B as in boy.com. I'll slide the Z in there for you. Yeah, I have to say, to America there, my friend. That's exactly. <laughs> it's easier than, if I have to say Z, I always say Z is in zebra, but Z, it, 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 it pronounces it better. You can go to tomzeeb.com, T-O-M-Z-E-E-B as in boy.com or tractionrealestatementors.com. Very good. Tom, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much for sharing your knowledge and your story and and that scary life experience that got you started in real estate. And hats off to you for everything that you're up to. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. Take care, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. If you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. We very, very much appreciate it. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at Investor Attraction Demo. Dot com. Take care.